This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. If you're interested in crazy stories from the wild world of organized crime, scams, gangs, cartels, mafias, drug dealers, and everything fun like that, have we got a podcast for you. The Underworld Podcast is hosted by two conflict journalists, Danny Gold and Sean Williams, who have reported on all sorts of dangerous people in dangerous places. Every week, they bring you a new episode on international organized crime from a new corner of the globe. You can find the Underworld podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. June 14th, 1947. World War II barely over. The Cold War ramping up. Truman in the White House promoting the importance of establishing democratic governments worldwide. The CIA being established as the intelligence collection institution we know it as today. But on the Foster Ranch in southeastern New Mexico, it was just another normal day. That is, until a foreman discovered something peculiar. Peculiar enough to challenge our fundamental conception of the universe we live in and to spawn hundreds of stories and movies, visiting and revisiting what that rancher really saw. Because since the second century, storytellers, scientists, and philosophers worldwide have been pondering the same question over and over again, theorizing with sometimes outlandish, sometimes horrifying tales. And it's no wonder we continue to visit it, It is a question that tries to unearth our place in the cosmos and define what we know about life itself. A question whose answer would be celebrated by some and feared by others. That question is, are we alone? Those three words give birth to a host of new questions, 
Is there life in the universe besides here on planet Earth? Could that life be intelligent? Could it be more advanced than us? Capable of interstellar travel? Could we communicate? Or would they come to Earth to eradicate us for use of our resources? Or have we been visited already? Has an extraterrestrial species come to our planet? Have they studied us? Or have we studied them? Did one of these species crash here? Have our world leaders been using the dissection of alien technology to launch our development into the 21st century? Many people certainly believe so. And it all ties back to the Foster Ranch in Roswell, New Mexico on June 14, 1947. Because it was there, on a day like any other, that foreman William Brazel found something unlike anything he had ever seen. It was strange and eclectic debris, resembling what looked like a crashed object. In 1947, the country had been overtaken by an influx of sightings of flying saucers. And when Brazel reported the findings to authorities, they were quick to investigate. On the following day, a news release gave a statement that shocked the world. An unidentified flying object had been found. And for the first time, humanity had to face the prospect of not being alone in the universe. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, the podcast where we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast directory or on our website, parcast.com. I'm Carter Roy. I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. This is our second and final episode on the conspiracy theories surrounding Area 51. Last week, we covered the official story of Area 51's fabled existence and its place in America's intelligence sector. This week, we talk about the unofficial stories, including some unbelievable technology, an otherworldly movie production, and of course, aliens. Officially, Area 51 is a top-secret military base in southwestern Nevada. For years, the government refused to admit that Area 51 even existed, and never even referred to it by name until 2013. It was founded in 1955 and has been a hub for testing spy technology since the pinnacle of Cold War tensions. Slowly, over the years, information has leaked out on some of the ultra-secret projects developed and tested at Area 51. It started with some planes designed to fly above the reach of radar technology and continued into stealth technology. However, even with the Cold War long over and the declassification of several key documents detailing the goings-on at Area 51, the government remains extremely tight-lipped about what is happening at the base near Groom Lake. So, what are they hiding? Over the years, Area 51 has been a hotbed of conspiracy theories. It has been the focus of movies, books, and the central theme of internet forums, spawning countless debates and hours and hours of research. 
And despite the fact that we have gotten some intimate details about Area 51, we concluded last week that something else must be going on there. Something that caused the United States government to try and hide the base from the annals of history. Something that gives Area 51 security guards the right to use fatal measure to keep the base free of wandering eyes. Something that prevents the Environmental Protection Agency from releasing key information about studies done there year after year. Our first conspiracy theory is that the government is developing technologies far beyond what we currently know to be possible. And with these technologies, the government is spying and subtly manipulating the world in the most secretive of ways, using advanced forms of stealth never thought imaginable, ultra-fast planes, and devices that can shift our very environment. Conspiracy theorists claim that through the research and development of Area 51, the government is far more powerful than it seems. Last episode, we discussed the planes we know were tested at Area 51. These planes were founded in the need to gather information from the blacked-out USSR during the turbulent Cold War years. But there was more aviation engineering happening that the public never became aware of. Spy planes so good at their job that still nobody knows about them. Conspiratorial aviation enthusiasts certainly think so. They have speculated on aviation and general technology coming from Area 51 that range from extraordinary stealth planes to world-ending power. The United States already has the most powerful military in the world. But what if the capabilities of that military was far beyond what we know is possible? What if Area 51 was consistently producing secret technologies that made the American government all the more dangerous to the world, and even dangerous to its own citizens? Well, these technologies, if they existed, were all founded in secrecy, and that's because of something called the Black Budget. The Black Budget is a portion of the U.S. government budget spent specifically on classified projects, or black projects. So top secret, the government does not even want to divulge how much they are spending. Right. It is extremely difficult to figure out how much money goes into the black budget as a whole, let alone what is spent on individual projects. That means that all these technology rumors surrounding Area 51 were manufactured in the unknowns of the black budget, a black hole of United States funding. The first rumor to emerge was from Aviation Week and Space Technology. They claimed to have uprooted a 455 million black budget allocation to a secret aircraft production at Area 51 in 1987. Many aviation experts claimed this to be the rumored Aurora plane, a jet capable of reaching Mach 5 speeds. This means it could be deployed anywhere around the world in a matter of hours. I assume they weren't developing this for travel enthusiasts. However, the U.S. government ferociously denies the existence of the Aurora. We assume, though, if the project failed, they would want to avoid accounting for $455 million. Then there was the Black Star, a rumored space plane whose construction was initiated in the early 1990s. The plane whose existence was first postulated by Aviation Week and Space Technology in 2006, 
would have been the first and only model of its kind. Again, the story of the Black Star was initiated by Aviation Week and space technology, citing some suspicious dealings with the Black Budget. The shroud surrounding the Black Budget makes it very easy for the government to hide costs for top-secret military projects. This makes it incredibly difficult to differentiate between fact and fiction, because the government can simply deny the project knowing that the steps are impossible to trace. Though the actual existence of the Black Star is heavily contested, conspirators suggest the space plane might have made up to five flights out of Area 51. But what exactly is a space plane? A space plane is a terrestrial plane that can leave the Earth's atmosphere, enter space, and operate as a shuttle. It then has the capability of returning to Earth and making a safe landing. Meaning it's like the combination of a normal plane and a space shuttle. Right. Make a plane that flies high enough that it is out of reach of radar detection capabilities. And space certainly seems high enough. High enough for theorists to claim that the success of the Black Star was enough to put the impressive SR-71 Blackbird out of existence. You mean these planes were put to use? Well, that's a stretch. Nobody has ever seen the Black Star, or no military reports have detailed their use for spy purposes. Well, that's what the government would want you to think. Maybe, but the Air Force has publicized other successful space plane missions to date, so it seems strange they would keep this locked up. And then there are several rumored technologies to emerge from Area 51 with a slightly more sinister nature. Ooh, I like the sound of that. The first of these were called Black Helicopters, which first emerged in conspiracy lore in the 1970s. Black Helicopters were stealth helicopters that were so well hidden they could enter populated areas without much detection. However, the full capabilities of a black helicopter are heavily contested. According to some, black helicopters were founded and developed at Area 51 and were used as explanations for everything from cattle mutilation to enforcing the Endangered Species Act. Some even thought these machines signaled the end of the world. At least a man named Hal Lindsey did. He speculated in the 1970 book that the Book of Revelation, the apocalyptic epilogue to the Bible, was actually describing helicopters when it called flying objects locust-like creatures. Lindsay argues that the author of the Book of Revelation, in his prophetic hallucinations, saw helicopters but did not know what they were, so he was forced into more primitive verbiage. For those that don't know, the book of Revelation is considered to be a foretelling of the apocalypse, or the rapture, by an unknown man named John in the first century. So the helicopter signaled a key piece to the many signs that the realities of the book of Revelation were imminent. However, as far as we're concerned, the world's still here. Whatever they were, black helicopters became a notorious symbol for government control and many small government groups were steadfast that the government was using them in some capacity for nationwide domination. Enough so that even certain politicians referenced them publicly due to concerns of the citizens they represented. But 
these helicopters have never been captured by video footage, and the government has explained away many of the first-hand accounts with actual military helicopters they use. Which they would obviously do if they didn't want these to be discovered. And if what these conspiracy theorists claim is true, the black helicopters would be sophisticated enough to avoid any type of surveillance detection. At least, I assume the harbingers of the apocalypse would not be subject to petty video recording technology. But the last technological conspiracy to emerge from Area 51 might just lead to a type of apocalypse, because this theory claims the U.S. is developing a technology at Area 51 that could change the very fabric of our world. That technology is weather control. That's right. Some radical thinkers believe the government is trying to find a way to generate hailstorms and hurricanes as a means of attack. Which might sound ridiculous to many of us, but not to the United Nations, who banned weather warfare with the Environmental Modification Convention in 1978. Wow. So they were really afraid of a lethal use of the weather? Apparently so. But you have to wonder why they would be if no practical application of this was ever used. Perhaps the work at Area 51 was threatening enough to cause the UN to draft such a treaty. Perhaps. Though it seems the desert might not be an ideal place for weather modification. <laughs> no, I suppose not. And uh, I guess I hope not, too. I'd be the first to move away from the coast if weaponized hurricanes became a thing. Right into the hands of the inland weaponized tornadoes. However, it is a fact that the U.S. tries to employ some amount of weather manipulation using techniques like cloud seeding to induce rain during a drought. Yet these technologies do not work very well. And when it comes to Mother Nature, Despite our best efforts, we continue to be a, a bit outclassed. So we are going to assume the weather controlling technology is just that, a conspiracy. But out of all of the technologies, some are bound to be true. The crazy thing is, is the way the black budget is set up means the United States government can allocate funds to any secret project as long as they deem it classified. And with a few subtle manipulations, the trail of money gets so mixed up, it would be near impossible to know which portion of the black budget goes to which project. Agreed. Even though these rumors get pretty outlandish, we're pretty sure the government is testing some top-secret technology that the world has yet to witness. And that is part of the reason they continue to keep the base under such an intense lockdown. We'd give this theory an 8 out of 10. And we're pretty sure there is technology we don't know about yet, but we'll dock two points for not knowing anything about what that technology is. Our next theory does not discount any of these theories. In fact, some might claim it is the reason all of these technologies could exist in the first place. And to get there, we must go back to our New Mexico ranch and the newspaper printing that ignited decades of speculation and forced us to finally confront the reality firsthand that we may not be alone. We'll return to our story in just a moment from the ParCast Network. And now back to conspiracy theories. It's an impossible thing to look up at a clear night sky and imagine that we are the only intelligent life in existence. We've all thought about it. 
laying in one grassy field or another, gazing up at the dome-like sky, there must be something else out there. Someone else, even. It's so incredibly large that each and every twinkly star represents the billions of galaxies that exist. We can't be the only ones here. And with all those billions of galaxies harboring billions of suns with billions of planets like ours, many of them way older than the Milky Way, where is all the intelligent life? That is, if there are more planets like ours than we can imagine, countless environments with the necessary ingredients to sustain life, why haven't we seen any yet? If, and that's a very big if, there is other life out there, shouldn't we have seen it by now? Good question. It is a good question, though it isn't my own. It's called Fermi's Paradox, a paradox postulated by the great Italian physicist named Enrico Fermi. He asked, if the universe is as grandiose as we have observed it to be, then where is everybody? Why haven't we observed radio waves? Why hasn't some extremely advanced civilization come to Earth? Even if interstellar travel took millions of years, the rate of our own technological evolution says that this should have been very possible. So, where are all the aliens? Well... What if they already got here? That's what many conspiracy theorists believe. And according to them, Area 51 plays a key role in these theories. And it all started with William Brazel's discovery on June 14, 1947. On the Foster Ranch in Roswell, New Mexico, Brazel found a host of strange and exotic material in a particular pasture that looked to be the result of some kind of crash. And the timing for it was perfect. This happened weeks before a host of UFO sightings popped up around the country, following pilot Kenneth Arnold's dubbing of the phrase, Flying Saucer. Ten days after William Brazel first discovered the strange debris, Kenneth Arnold claimed to have seen a cluster of UFOs on June 24, 1947, that he said looked like flying saucers. In fact, the subsequent reports of flying saucers were what caused Brazel to go to the local sheriff. And when the local Air Force got wind of it, they responded in an incredibly peculiar way. On July 8, 1947, the Roswell Army Airfield issued a public press release in which they claim the material found on the Foster homestead was, in fact, a UFO. The statement read, quote, The many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force, Roswell Army Airfield, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office at Chavez County. But the immediate assumption was not necessarily an alien spaceship. In 1947, an unidentified crashed object could be a number of things, especially a ship from the USSR. However, then the government started to act particularly strange. They seized control of the wreckage from the Foster Ranch and transferred it to a base in Fort Worth, Texas. When they inspected the artifacts, they immediately redacted the statement made on July 8th. Meaning, they took the statement back, 
claiming it was an error made from a premature assessment. As suspicious as this fast redaction was, the government made it even more so when they claimed the object was a weather balloon. This was the go-to excuse for the government when they found themselves in a pickle. And though they concealed what they now call the true purpose of the device... A declassified report later claimed it was a balloon for nuclear test monitoring. The ruse worked, and the public subsequently forgot about the crash on the Foster Ranch for over 30 years. However, this incident became a crutch for conspiracy theorists and, in particular, extraterrestrial enthusiasts. It became known as the Roswell Incident, and it would cement itself in American storytelling for years to come. Not only was the crash and debris suspicious, but the way the government acted in a contradictory manner after the fact aroused a certain amount of distrust in the public that lingered in the subconscious of the public. Together, these things formed a very fishy event that made it clear to anyone who looked closer that there was more going on with this Roswell incident than met the eye. Was the government covering up a secret project they were working on? Or had they perhaps actually found a flying saucer and had proof that aliens really existed? The response to Roswell was immediately underwhelming. But decades later, when several people started thoroughly investigating the incident, more and more questions started to arise, and UFO fever swept the nation. In the 1970s, many people began to look into Roswell and other claims of UFOs a little closer. Note, too, that 1970 was about the same time rumors of the black helicopters started to surface. One of the people who looked closest at the Roswell incident was nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman, a man who conducted hundreds of interviews and obtained as many documents as possible about the Roswell incident. He and other enthusiasts concluded that there had been an alien crash in Roswell, New Mexico, and at least two alien bodies were recovered. These were taken to none other than Area 51 to be studied. However, the government executed a mass cover-up to hide what they had really found. This intense scrutiny of the incident struck a chord in the public, and by the 1980s, over half the citizens of the U.S. believed aliens had visited us and that the government had performed a cover-up of the incident at Roswell to keep us in the dark. So, did the government really discover aliens and lie about it? Did they take these discoveries, as so many believe, to Area 51 to be dissected? Well, Area 51 seems like the ideal base to take a crashed alien spaceship, considering it didn't technically exist. Some even claim that Area 51 was created for this purpose alone to house the aliens discovered and take them apart or keep them in a gel-like preservative. And soon after the 1947 Roswell crash, when Area 51 was up and operating in 1955, pilots started to see objects and technologies above Area 51 that did not look like anything human. In fact, over half of the UFO sightings between 1950 and 1960 were accounted for by U-2 planes being tested at Area 51, though this seems a simple excuse for a government with a secret. Whether they were flying too high or moving too fast, something was off about the machines hovering above the military base. 
The official story claimed these were simply high-altitude spy planes created at the pinnacle of 1950s spy technology. But what if that was used as an excuse? What if the government was really testing out replicas of the flying saucer found in Roswell? Or what if this sudden eruption of aviation capability came from studying the downed extraterrestrial aircraft? This is a very important, very popular piece of the Area 51 conspiracy puzzle. That we not only found alien technology, but we began reverse engineering and using it to advance our own technology. And this is why we see such a burst of innovation in the latter half of the 20th century. Interesting. So we can attribute all of our recent advances as a civilization to aliens. Mm, Well, maybe not all of it, but certainly some parts of our military aviation technology. In the 1970s, as ufologists started digging through the records behind Roswell, technology was advancing at an alarming rate. The 1970s saw the birth of modern computing, with the invention of microprocessors and personal computers. Calculators could now fit in people's pockets, and we launched Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 with the intention of sending the first man-made object beyond the solar system. So, when the Roswell conspiracy theorists proposed that we were dissecting alien ships, this wasn't such a hard pill for the public to swallow. There was evidence that we were advancing using alien technology in everyday life. Not to mention there was severe government distrust sprouting in the nation. The Vietnam War and Watergate were still fresh in the country's memories. So the idea of these grand conspiracies and cover-ups didn't seem so grand after all, especially because they witnessed their government do so firsthand. Thus, one by one, citizens hopped on board the Roswell train. However, over time, this train lost steam. Despite effective and thorough research, critics claim that many of the ufologists inadvertently changed people's statements on Roswell, altering their story due to suggestion. They cited several conflicting before and after interviews where subjects remembered their experience differently due to what they had been told. In fact, one of the central debunkers of the Roswell UFO cover-up was a ufologist himself. He was a man who believed in UFOs, but found the Roswell incident to not have enough meat to its bones to consider it verifiable. His name was Carl T. Flock, and he was a former CIA officer. After a thorough analysis of Roswell, including the interview, articles, and official statements, Flock concluded that the object was actually a part of the government project called Project Mogul, designed to detect sound waves made from Soviet atomic bombs from a long distance away. Hmm. This frustratingly fits with the narrative of 1947. It explains why the debris seems so strange and exotic, as it was an experimental project, and it accounts for why the government acted so suspicious around the recovery of this debris. 1947 was the year Truman officially set an agenda to democratize countries and save them from the bowels of communism, thus kicking off the Cold War. So, any secret projects they had to detect nuclear capability had to be kept especially secret. And it makes complete sense for the testing to take place in New Mexico, nearby where our own nuclear test sites were starting to emerge. That does seem likely. 
And though it feels more daring to believe in the alien cover-up, the Project Mogul story well, seems to fit pretty well here. But it doesn't have to be Rosmo, right? The government could have acquired an alien craft anywhere and brought it to Area 51. Anything is possible. So as the fever of Roswell was slowly weeded by skeptics, all became quiet again on the Nevadan front. That is until... In May of 1989, a strange man appeared on Las Vegas TV station KLAS for an interview with the host, George Knapp. The man, who covered his face and went by the pseudonym Dennis, claimed to have worked at a base called S-4, a subsidiary building of Area 51, where they kept flying saucers that Dennis helped reverse engineer. Dennis was really Robert Lazar, a man who said he had degrees from both MIT and Caltech, and he had some very interesting things to say about the base near Groom Lake. He claimed the aliens came from Zeta Reticuli, a binary star system about 39 light years from Earth. The same star system that alleged alien abductee Betty Hill drew a map for under hypnosis and that the flying saucers used an element previously unknown to Earth scientists to create gravitational waves. Which could account for the sudden appearance of stealth technology. That's right. Lazar claimed to work at Area 51 in the early 80s, just as stealth technology was starting to be tested by the American military. If you recall last episode, Five employees sued Area 51 for failing to take safety measures for burning what was assumed to be stealth materials. But what if this was really that unknown element? What if the U.S. government was able to create these radar-evading fighter jets because they copied the composition of alien spacecraft? And perhaps this is why the executive office is so desperate to keep the Environmental Protection Agency from revealing their findings at Area 51. Yeah, the president's yearly order to conceal EPA test results around Area 51 could contain some traces of this unknown element, an element Bob Lazar referred to only as element 115. Lazar's claims sparked the interests of ufologists and common citizens alike, causing a renewed interest in aliens and the mysterious base in southwest Nevada. His claims seemed to line up pretty well with other stories about encounters with aliens, like the Roswell cover-up and the Betty Hill abduction. And it does not disarm the information we were given about Area 51 from the CIA's declassified documents. So, are we thinking we're on to something here? Well? Well? Perhaps Robert Lazar isn't so trustworthy. Oh, how so? because nobody ever found record of his degrees from MIT and Caltech. And while he explains this as the government erasing his record, some people dug a little deeper. Some people like Stanton Friedman. He took it upon himself to research Lazar thoroughly. He visited professors who would have been at MIT and Caltech when Lazar attended, trying to find some evidence of him having attended the institutions, but none of them remembered him. On top of that, Friedman dug up some old records from Lazar's high school days that suggested Lazar was at the bottom of his class. Hardly the resume to get into some of the most prestigious engineering schools in the country. But the government could have covered that up too, right? 
Maybe they have the capability, but it's not the best look when a member from your own UFO exists on Earth team is the one dismantling your credibility. Hmm, yeah, I guess not. And scientists were eventually able to synthesize the mysterious element 115 in 2003. Let me guess. No gravitational waves? No, no gravitational waves. In fact, element 115 is extremely heavy and highly unstable, so there's little chance it can be used in any chemical reaction, let alone one that propels flying saucers. So we're pretty skeptical about this one too, huh? That seems the rational choice. However, the alien conspiracy has never completely died. In 2010, a ufologist took a photograph of Area 51, which looks as though a large, circular ship is sticking out of one of its hangars. The ship is described as looking like the Millennium Falcon, Han Solo's famed ship from Star Wars. People who claim to have worked at Area 51 have said they have piloted an alien spacecraft firsthand. Disciples of Bob Lazar make the pilgrimage to certain checkpoints to try and glimpse a flying saucer. Suspicious satellite photographs of the base at Groom Lake are scrutinized for any abnormalities. But overall, the aliens on Earth fever that ran rampant through the country in the 1980s appears to have died down quite considerably. So that's it? No aliens? No government cover-up? Nothing? Well, it turns out that the government does know something about UFOs, but maybe not quite what we were expecting. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. And now, back to our story. Fast forward to December of 2017. You mean this past December? That's the one. The Pentagon released information on a project they termed the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Essentially, a government project used to identify unexplained objects caught on military aircraft cameras. The program was started in 2007 by Nevada Senator Harry Reid, who was convinced by his friend Robert Bigelow that UFOs have visited the United States. Bigelow the billionaire founder of an aerospace company, operates out of Las Vegas, Nevada, which just happens to be close to... Area 51. In fact, you must go through the Las Vegas McCarran Airport to get to the base. That makes you wonder if there is a connection here. Connection or not, the program was installed by the government based on some extraordinary objects seen through fighter jet cameras. The cameras show shadowy circular objects hovering in a strange way before accelerating and darting off at speeds incredibly fast compared to the jets. We encourage you to search for these videos online as they really enhance your understanding of what this program was looking for. The program was disbanded in 2012 as the government figured there were more important places to aim their budget. Though, if there's one thing we've learned, the government sure has a hard time keeping their facts straight when it comes to rumors about aliens. So perhaps the program still exists, and they just don't want taxpayers to be angry about the government using their money to look for aliens. Or perhaps they found something. Something top secret. Something they would need to take to an ultra-secure location. A location like Area 51? You said it, not me. And though all the rumors of aliens and flying saucers can at times seem outlandish, we cannot rule any of them out completely. There are too many gaps to fill, 
Too many moments of denial, too many unexplained phenomenon, too many instances of the government telling blatant lies at inopportune moments. Overall, we'd give the theory that Area 51 houses aliens a 2 out of 10. We would give it a 1, if not for the recent revelations about the government's search for UFOs. It seems extremely unlikely that the government has been housing aliens under our noses, even in the most secure of military facilities, and each and every theory that suggests a tie between Area 51 and aliens appears to be thoroughly debunked, despite all the dishonesty from the government. Unfortunately for Washington, our last theory doesn't go any easier on the government. In fact, it probably leaves them looking worse than the other two. Worse than the malicious, weather-controlling, population-manipulating, alien-dissecting, identity-wiping bunch the past theories have made them out to be? Well, maybe not that bad, but it does have them covering something up. A thing that would be the most devastating if it got out. Because, in this theory, they were covering up their own incompetence. On July 20th, 1969, Apollo 11 landed on the moon, becoming the first manned aircraft to do so. The world watched as Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin took the first human-made steps on a ground that was not Earth. It was a great feat for our country and humankind, not only reclaiming the United States' lead in the space race, but also introducing humanity to the cosmos. But several conspiracy theorists took exception to the moon landing, claiming the whole of it to be a farce staged by the American government to try and appear more capable than they were. These theories claim that upon realizing that we did not have the technological prowess to get a man to the moon, we decided to stage the whole thing. They point to the flag that is bent but does not ripple, or certain symbols on the space shuttle being correlated with Hollywood props. The theory says the plan was to host an actual rocket launch, though unmanned, and sneak the astronauts to a secret location to film what appeared on all accounts to be a proper moon landing. Well, sounds pretty elaborate. But where could they host such a phenomenal cover-up? Where was secure enough of a location to dupe the whole world? Why not one of the most secure military bases in world history? Why not is right. Our third and final conspiracy theory claims that a fabricated moon landing was filmed at none other than Area 51 as part of an attempt by the American government to appear more competent and capable than they actually were. This theory, as mentioned, claimed that for one reason or another, the lunar landing was staged. Whether that be cost, technological limitations, or other purposes, the government used props and convinced Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin to act out their moonwalk. And they filmed this illustrious set in a secret building at Area 51. Well, this theory has been debunked countless times by enthusiasts and scientists alike. But oddly, part of it, granted a very small part, is true. Astronauts at the nuclear test site near Area 51 tested various space equipment, including Land Rovers, meaning that there were a number of NASA-related technologies at Area 51. It's not hard to imagine a curious employee spotting some of this equipment and helping to stoke the fires of the conspiracy theorists. So that theory at least has the tiniest droplet of truth to it. 
Though, overall, we'd give it a 2 out of 10. Though there might have been space equipment present at Area 51 at one time or another, there was never any filming going on there and certainly nothing that resembled a fake moon landing. With the conclusion of our main theories, we have one more wild card to throw out there before we tell you which we think is the most likely version of events. Right. Conspiracy theories are known for taking bizarre turns, and we can't properly cover them without mentioning some of the more eccentric ones. The wild card theory. Aliens are in charge and have slowly taken over humanity through Area 51. This one is impossible to prove for obvious reasons, because if it is true, they're already controlling what we think. Though, if Roswell did happen, and if Bob Lazar was telling the truth, perhaps the government continuously denies aliens exist because their memories have been wiped or aliens are well-practiced liars. As for our verdict in regards to our main theories, We think all of them are founded in a certain amount of truth, though none of them are true to the bone. What continues to frustrate with Area 51 is the complete opaqueness of the government. The base is one of, if not the most guarded secret in all of American history. And even though it appears on the surface as though we have some answers, the secrecy, the lies, and the cover-ups continue to pique our curiosity. One underlying truth about Area 51 over the six decades of its existence is that there are no truths. We are dealing purely with unknowns. That is, we never ever get a straight answer. Whether that is crashed weather balloons, redacted statements, or black budget spending, the government can and will say whatever they want. We are at their mercy in terms of the information we are going to get. And historically, Even when we do get a straight answer, it turns out to be fabricated one way or another. That means we've been lied to enough that it's important to take everything that comes out about Area 51 with a certain grain of salt. Though I'm sure we will continue to unearth more and more secrets about one of the all-time most secretive places in United States history. And we look forward to overanalyzing those finds for years to come. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Let us know what your favorite theory is and join us next week as we explore another conspiracy theory. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Joel Stein and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Conspiracy Theories is written by Drew Cole and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.